0: You know, you don't need all that fancy equipment. If you just have the will to put your hands flat on the ground and start bending your elbows, you can do more and more and more and more push-ups. And before you know it, you're built like Herschel Walker. But that was a stunner right. when they. You're not going to necessarily
1: be built like Herschel Walker if you do that. Let's let's make if sure we tell people. If you do to- 1,500 a day. No, you don't. I don't care. You did fifteen hundred a day, and you started when you were ten. You would never look like Herschel Walker at any point of your life. I look sorry. better than
0: Herschel Walker. You look <laughs> <good>. <laughs> Well done. Well done. Uh, uh, was, I forgot about that. I, I, yes. I, how many? How many push-ups can you do right now? You take out the earplugs. Like, you get down on the ground with your dog. How many could you do?
1: I in one, I I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think I could knock out like you know fifty something in one little sitting. Now, I I don't know about that for sure. You know, the the one the one I always used to get people with was do a hundred sit a hundred push ups in three minutes. Right? It's not very easy. You want to try that later today? You should do that. Have sure. Jill film you. It. It. It's it's kind of it. like the saltine cracker thing. You know what I mean? You think oh, I can swallow five saltine crackers and. A minute or whatever that is the push-up thing is the same way I've gotten some really strong people oh no problem I could do that 103 minutes and uh you know they usually die out and can't finish it out I would love to see you do that that would be awesome I'll do it I'll do it okay Uh,
0: you'll be you'll be you'll be even more surprised than you were when I what was it 125 pounds 20 times or 225 pounds 10 times I don't know the legend is going to shift and change over the course of time. That was the challenge at the combine back when the world was semi-normal. 125 pounds, bench press, 20 times. I did it, and you were stunned. You were, I was you were stunned. floored.
1: I was Especially stunned. I and didn't maybe I'm wrong. It off
0: my, I didn't bounce it off my chest either.
1: I got a Jersey meathead texting me right now, this kid uh, telling me that it's 100 push-ups in four minutes. So maybe I'm wrong either way. But I just want to make it clear, okay, to all the people out there that... If you do 1,500 push-ups a day, you're not going to necessarily look like Herschel Walker. I don't care what Mike says and what protein shake he does. He's going to need more than a protein shake if he wants to look like Herschel Walker. He's going to have to buy some illegal substances, some PEDs, I think, forever. Oh, here he is, baby. Oh, Muscle mania. Look at it go. <laughs> but as you said, no
0: bouncing off the chest makes it even harder. I didn't realize that I it- would have bounced it off the chest. I just didn't want to break
1: my sternum. I'm impressed. I'm impressed with the, the athlete that you are. Now, you as a husband, I don't know about I mean, you just got home <laughs> from a long trip, and you said, Hey, honey, the hell with you. I want to go downstairs and film me. I don't want to say hi to you or anything. Uh, and this is you just getting back from the combine. No, but nonetheless, but, but wait, pretty good.
0: But wait, wait, no. She didn't want a hug uh, for reasons Because I might have had
1: COVID-19. We're not sure. No, no. Yes. I mean,
0: we're not, it's not a joke about it. You had some sort of intestinal flu that caused you to uh, that's a very uh, you know, real symptom of the,
1: the COVID-19 though there they, that is some people are reporting that and you know I'm one of those guys that you talked about I really would like to go get the you know my finger prick to see if maybe I had this I'm hoping I did just because of my nose spleen it would take a little stress out of my life we
0: uh were in it's now been six weeks since we were in Indianapolis for the scouting combine back when teams were in usual draft preparation mode. It's been anything but that in recent weeks. And and look, uh, there was a report from ESPN over the weekend. And this is fairly obvious. Multiple teams are preparing to do the draft from home. Well, if they aren't, they should be because that's one of the major options. It's either going to be go to the facility in small groups or do it from home. And, I think, frankly, the end result is going to be do it from home. I think they got over their skis last week when they started announcing that that team employees, executives, coaches could gather in small groups without recognizing there are plenty of states out there where NFL teams do business that have stay at home orders and those states may not allow it. So uh, that's when on Thursday they sent a memo to all teams explaining it's going to be one or the other. And I think it's going to be the other. I think they're all going to be at home. I think that's the way it's going to go. And I know it's a better TV show if you've got yeah. Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones and Mike McCarthy sitting, well, six feet apart, but still in the same room, making the call to the guy they draft. I just I think that, that it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. And it just occurred to me, Chris, even if they can pull it off, there will inevitably be images of people not six feet apart closer than six feet apart. And those are just images we don't need to send out there at a time when we're hammering everyone to comply with these requirements.
1: No, I I mean, I agree with you. You're right. I mean, you know, the requirements are, are there for a reason. You know, it's for the safety of a lot of people in our country. I get that. You know, just to play devil's advocate, though, like, Mike, like, you know, we see in some of these draft rooms, they're gigantic. They're top notch, state of the art type rooms, right? The war rooms, whatever it may be. They usually have these gigantic, you know, tables where one guy can be sitting at one end of the table and literally be like 15 yards away from the guy at the other end of the table. You know, would states, would government frown? I'm asking this. I don't even know. Would there be a big issue if it just say it was Mike McCarthy, Stephen Jones, and Jerry Jones in a huge room and they were 10 to 15 feet apart? Do you think people would make a big deal about that and, and cause an, an uprise and a stir?
0: I just think that if it complies with the stay-at-home requirement, if the states allow the, the, the guys to leave their homes and get together, as long as they stay uh, more than six feet apart wherever they are, then then so be it. I, I just think the the better approach, the smarter approach, the more pragmatic approach, and the right message to send to all the people out there who are complying with stay-at-home orders, and if they aren't, they should be. Everybody stay at home. Do it virtual. I've been saying for years you can do it by group text message if you want to from the standpoint of making the picks. Now, deciding what you're going to do with the pick is the thing that may get a little more complicated, especially if you have trade discussions in play. That's the but problem, Mike. Out, but, but look, get, get, hey, give, build in more time. What the hell else do we have to do, Chris? Go back to 15 minutes for round one. What else are we doing? Who cares if it takes six hours? Nobody's got to get up for work the next morning. Except for us well but we we, we do really <laughs> yeah. work anyway Yeah, but 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 but, but you, you get my point who cares yeah if the i show, got you the tv show is longer than it otherwise would be we're not going anywhere to cap it's the ultimate captive audience
1: well you're right i mean it, we're, we're gonna have to deal with some rawness of this show i would think but yes that would be some of the obstacles that that at least uh you know come come up in my mind i mean let's just say you know let's just say okay the number one pick, the Bengals trade it to the Dolphins, right, at number five. And what if the TV networks aren't, you know, they're not ready and, oh, gosh, we don't have a connection with anybody in Miami or do anything like that. Yeah, it's going to be a little weird. It's going to be, uh, you know, not a, not a smooth TV program that way. So those unforeseen trades, yeah, we might, you know, it might be hard to, to fill time in between, let alone, you know, what are the, the networks going to do with their analysts? you know are they going to try to have the analyst you know in a room in a studio somewhere where they're social distanced a, a, a certain amount a feet away from each other you know that's another element too i mean is it just going to be zoom and facetime choppiness everywhere to all different people throughout the nfl uh, these are things that the nfl needs to work out
0: well peter king reports in today's football morning in america that it will likely be a joint combination of ESPN, NFL Network, one feed that's going to be on both networks instead of having both networks have their own production, especially because NFL Network has been knocked off the air for the past two or three weeks. They have no live content because they've got a studio in L.A. that no one is going to. They've got another one in New Jersey that no one is going to, so they don't have live programming, so they can't do it. ESPN has a very limited production that is happening. So I, I, there'll be a couple of people in studio there, but I think it's going to be a lot of what you've been doing, what I've been doing, broadcasting from home as they figure out where they're going to go from here to here to here to here to here. And it's going to be, as Peter explains, that a combination of NFL Network on-air talent and ESPN on-air talent. But I think appearances from a lot of these these. Home studios, home offices of coaches, general managers, owners, etc. And also prospects coming in via that virtual connection. And Speaking of prospects, Ian Rappaport of the NFL reported over the weekend that EA Sports is going to have a virtual moment of the prospect walking on stage, meeting the commissioner, part of the, the Madden game, the whole concept of that, the official That's cool. NFL video game. And uh, each prospect is going to choose a high school to receive a $2,500 grant toward their football program, You know, which, hey, the NFL's got the money to do that because they're not spending the money to take the players and all their families to Las Vegas. That's the the major expense that comes from putting on the major TV show, bringing in all these players, 20, 25, 30 guys and family members and putting them up at a hotel. So uh, you save some money there and you can redirect it to something good. All right. There's a there's a, a another important element that relates to the draft in a very significant way. There's a major trade that still hasn't been finalized that has 2020 draft picks hinging on the trade, Chris, and that's the DeAndre Hopkins David Johnson trade. We wrote last night at ProFootballTalk.com. Those guys still haven't passed their physicals. Hopkins is in LA. He's on lockdown. He can't get a physical taken. David Johnson, I'm told, has had a preliminary physical on his injured wrist. Remember, he had the the wrist injury week one of the 2017 season. That's been checked out. Rest of the physical hasn't been done. And, hey, if it fails for either guy, trade's off, right? And here we are weeks after the fact. Trade could be off. But more importantly, they got to get this done in the next 17 days because – The Cardinals are sending a second-round pick in 2020 to the Texans as part of this package, and the Texans are sending a fourth-round pick in 2020 to the Cardinals as part of this package. And I was asking somebody about this last night, like, what happens? Well, it's got to get done. The physicals have to get done. Well, what if they don't? Well, they've got to get done. But what if they don't? What if they don't before it's time for those picks to be used? They're going to have to reconfigure the terms of the trade. I mean, how in the world? If I'm the Cardinals, I'm not giving the Texans my second-round pick – until I'm damn sure I'm getting DeAndre Hopkins.
1: Yeah, I, 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 you're right. I mean, this this has to be figured out. Now, you know, listen, I don't think, like, teams are going to try to get out of this pick. That's just bad business. I mean, you're certainly going to br- burn a lot of bridges if you if you play hardball that way. But, Mike, I read your article last night. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of what-ifs with this scenario. A- and uh, I think you bring up a lot of good questions. You know, two, two the other one is, like, all right, you're the Houston Texans. Say you got a first round grade on say like the running back from Georgia, DeAndre Swift. And all of a sudden there you are in the second round, you're going, "Oh my gosh, he's going to fall to us. We're going to be able to get this guy right here." You know, now uh, what are they going to do? Maybe they maybe they love the kid and they just didn't expect to get him. You know, w- would would they have the the guts to to sit there and draft a DeAndre uh, a DeAndre Swift and then say, "Ah, forget it. We don't need you know, we don't need David Johnson anymore. We we, we, we we trades off whatever it may be. You know, I don't envision that happening, but we've seen crazier things happen, and there's just a lot of unknown with these type of scenarios right now.
0: Yeah, and look, I don't believe either team has buyer's remorse at this point, And Bill O'Brien, no. the coach, and General Manager of the Texans finally addressed the trade on Friday. And this is something they should have gotten out there a long time ago. They need to get in front of this because it looked like such a bad trade on the surface. Yeah. What O'Brien said was it was in the best interest of our team to do the trade. DeAndre Hopkins was a great football player. We love DeAndre Hopkins, but he had three years left on a deal, and he wanted it raised, and we weren't going to be able to go in that direction. David Johnson is going to be a great addition to our football team. So, you know, look, there's no way the Cardinals want this deal to fall through because they desperately want David Johnson and his $10 million fully guaranteed salary off their roster, especially now that they're paying $8.48 8.48 million to Kenyon Drake this year as well. The Cardinals definitely don't want this to fall through and I don't think the Texans at this point want it to fall through either, Chris. How do you welcome DeAndre Hopkins back into the fold after making it clear you don't want to pay him and also making it clear that that uh you know you, you don't you don't value him the way that he wants to be valued and you've moved on from him? I just think it would be Uh, a disaster for both teams if this trade would fall through and I don't think either team is going to try to take advantage of of a failed physical because anybody can fail a physical folks it happens all the time we're going to talk more about that coming up later in the show but I don't see it happening here the reality though is if they don't get the physicals done in 17 days they're going to have to come up with different trade terms
1: well yeah they are and but but so what you're talking about too Mike yeah I don't see either team backing out of this I think this is something that's well thought out by both football teams and a move that both teams wanted to make, you know, the Cardinals. Yeah. They didn't want to draft a rookie receiver and have to depend on him to be the go-to guy, you know, this year and 2020, they wanted to get a proven commodity. So they're willing. They knew what the deal was with Deandre Hopkins and trading for him. They knew they were probably going to have to pay him more money on a yearly basis and give him a new contract. So they went into this trade thinking, okay, we're fine with that already. And obviously, Bill O'Brien saw the value in David Johnson. Listen, I think we've all forgotten how good this guy is when he's healthy, all right? You know, and I think he got stuck in a little bit of a a spot last year where he was banged up, uh, all right? And then learning a new offense and didn't quite get to show his true colors here. But I think this is a guy that still is a top-notch running back in football when he is healthy and really fits what the Houston Texans want to do. So, you know, again, you're right. We don't know what's going to happen, but I don't see – either team backing out of this because I think both teams need this deal to happen.
0: Right. But let me just emphasize this point because this isn't going to be up to them when the draft rolls around. If the trade isn't finalized, it's not Houston's pick. It's Arizona's pick.
1: Yes. right.
0: Arizona has to use the pick in round two. The trade has to be communicated to the NFL as done. Now, both sides could say, we'll just waive the requirement of the physical and, and, Push it through that way. I guess that's one way around it. But something's got to give in the next 17 days. That's my point. They either have to change the terms of the deal or they have to say we're fine going forward without physicals. The clock is ticking and uh, we'll see how it plays out. And that's an important point because this concept of failed physicals, selective failed physicals, Could become even more of a thing because there are so many free agent deals out there that aren't done yet because physicals haven't been done. What happens after the draft? We're going to talk about whether or not there may be plenty of failed physicals for free agents post-draft when PFT Live continues right after this. Monday edition, pro football talk live, Chris Sims, Mike Florio. And uh, Chris, we were talking about the importance of getting the physicals done for the Deandre Hopkins, David Johnson trade. There's another element that is similar to this. It's the free agent deals that are done, but that aren't done because the physicals aren't done. There are several guys out there and we're going to put a list together later today. Meaning I've got people that I've told to put a list together for me because I'm too lazy to do it, but there are guys out there, right? Uh, Let's say that, uh, let's say you are a, a, a receiver and your deal isn't done yet and you haven't had your physical yet and uh the team that supposedly is signing you has yeah. a guy fall into their laps in round three that they didn't think was right. going to be there. First round prospect fell on the board. There he is. We got to have him. Now they revisit their uh, desire to employ the older and more expensive veteran that they have a tentative deal with and all of a sudden when the physical is finally performed there's a problem and the doctor who is paid by the team to do and, and i know that some people are like oh how dare you no this is how it works the doctor is paid by the team if the doctor wants to continue to work for the team the doctor has a way of figuring out what it is the team really wants here and sure. anybody who's played in the nfl for any number of years you can find a way to fail the physical if you really want to do it. And there's a concern that some of these physicals are going to come back failed and you're going to have guys thrust back onto the market long after the money has been
1: flowing. Yeah, I mean, that would worry me. Yes. I mean, specifically, if you're not a blue chip type three agent that way, right? You know, and, and yes. All right. All, like To your point, somebody in the second, third round, the team's got a first round grade on them. Whoa we got that guy how about later in the draft what if it happens twice what if you got a first round talent and you got him in the early in the third round and then there you are in the fifth round going wait another receiver that we had a second round grade on is sitting here in the fifth round we should take him too you know that that to me is a, a very real possibility let alone we're, we're we're already seeing little signs of this in free agency mike i know you and i were talking about this during the commercial where we've seen a you know a few teams do the failed physical designation and we've seen other guys signed at the position for a lesser price right away. So that would be really scary to me. It's bad business. I mean, this is to me where the NFL needs to get involved Mike here and protect the players a little bit. They do. I mean, it's not right that way. And I would be very worried if that that's going to be a bad look and I'll be sitting here pissed off come Monday after the draft, that there was a team that agreed to a deal with a player and, Not all the details got figured out. And now they had a player or two fall their way in the draft. And now they try to get out of the signing of that free agent player. To me, that's bad business shot below the belt. And that to me is, is, shouldn't even be allowed. That's where I would hope the NFL would get involved.
0: Factual statement. The Raiders failed the Eli Apple physical defensive back who had been with the Saints, a former first round pick of the Giants, and then signed defensive back to Marius Randall for half the money that they were going to pay Eli Apple. Now, Was there any shenanigans going on? I don't know, but there's plenty of shenanigans that could go on. And also, the Rams, they've announced officially the return of Michael Brockers. He's passed his physical, even though he failed his physical or was going to fail his physical with the Ravens. And meanwhile, Leonard Floyd and A'shaun Robinson are still not officially done haven't had their physicals and I've had people around the league telling me you wait and see one or both of those guys is going to get the rug pulled out from under them by the Rams eventually and until then the Rams are basically squatting on these guys so this is a weird unprecedented time and this is a direct result Chris of going forward with the league year uh, in the face of this pandemic that has kept people from getting their physicals done the way they ordinarily would be done and you've got guys who are in limbo who may be thrust back out onto the market and who may never be able to sign that contract that was going to pay them a significant amount of money.
1: Well, yeah, it's it's not a good look. I mean, and you're right. You know, I I would want to know did 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 the Raiders sign an Eli Apple and then Demarius Randall? Oh, he's available for this price? Okay, the heck with that. Let's give him the failed physical designation. You could also say that about the Baltimore Ravens. Listen, they did the failed physical designation with Michael Brockers. And then correct me if I'm wrong. A few days later, signed Derek Wolf, right, for for far less money. So was that something that came onto their radar late? And then all of a sudden they said, "Man, this Derek Wolf guy's a pretty good guy, pretty good player." You know, we just watched the film here. Why are we paying Michael Brockers ten million dollars a year when we can get de- Derek Wolf for for three million dollars a year? You know, let's try to get out of this. I didn't think we we're gonna have to franchise tag, you know, Matt Judon, and we did that. And now we got Calais Campbell. Let's see if we can get out of this and finagle our way to where we don't have to pay Brockers. Let's give him the failed physical designation. Did that go on? See, to me, that is that that is something where I do think Roger Goodell, the NFL, has to start some presidents there uh, about protecting the player and their rights a little bit.
0: Well, and I just think this is one of the things that, that really didn't land on anyone's radar screen when they decided to go forward with this draft, or not with the draft, with this free but agency process could- without without realizing that you're going to have these deals that aren't officially done and you have this window to now i i guess a player who's upset like an eli apple he could file a grievance i assume and say i'm perfectly fine they should have passed me on my physical it would go into an arbitration setting and maybe the end result would be hey Raiders, you have to pay this guy what you were going to pay him. So I assume that the players have some sort of rights if they really want to push it. But their primary objective is find a job, find a job, find a job. But maybe when the dust settles, you go back to the Raiders and say, you were in the wrong to to fail me on my physical. You owe me the difference between what I'm getting and what I would have gotten if you had honored the contract.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, especially if he gets signed by another team for less money and then they pass him on his physical – I mean, to me, that's, that's weird. So, you know, again, uh, you know, I don't know all the details of how that went down with Eli Apple and Michael Brockers. We haven't really heard those stories yet, but yeah, that that's a a very dicey situation in general and just bad business overall by teams uh, and the NFL as well. And I I just, I don't know where it goes. I mean, uh, to me, I almost want to say the NFL needs to implement a rule to, to a degree. Hey, listen, if you commit, and got a, a a contract agreement with a player and an agent, you know, you know, nothing can be done until the physical is 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 complete or whatever it may be. You can't release the player, you can't do anything like that. You can't. And I don't but know. He there has to be physical, some but has still fails a physical. I know. I know. We're spitballing I know. here.
0: But until the guy passes the physical, the deal isn't done. And until they have truly independent doctors doing these physicals, there's the potential for the GM or the coach to make it known to the doctor, we really want this guy to not pass his physical. And, Chris, you know that happens.
1: I know it does, and that's where that's bullcrap. I mean, yeah, you're going to find anything on anybody. You can find a guy that's never been hurt in the history of his career and start going, well, I don't know, this shoulder or this knee looks degenerative. I don't know if it's going to hold up and – you're right. They can make up any excuse at all. And that, that's to me where I go back to where the NFL needs to do something to protect the player here. It just it doesn't make sense. I mean, how can Michael Brockers, you know, go to the Rams and, you know, he passes the physical and everything's good. I just, you know, I, again, I, I don't get that. And that, that's just not that's not a good look for me. And the NFLPA needs to watch over that.
0: All right. We're going to take a break. We focused earlier on the AFC East and what they need to do in the draft. We're going to draft the best players from that division when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, simple and easy draft for Monday's edition of PFT Live. AFC East is a division we uh, talked about earlier in the program regarding what they need to do by way of getting new players via the draft. Who are the best players in the AFC East? That's what we'll draft now. Chris, I have the trivia question. If you get it right, you get the first pick. With Tom Brady gone from the division, who is the current quarterback in the AFC East with the best career record against AFC East
1: teams? Well, I mean, that's got to be, hold on. I just want to make sure I'm not missing anybody. I mean, I would think that has to be Ryan Fitzpatrick.
0: Wah, wah, wah. Fitzpatrick is 17 and 26 against AFC East teams. The current quarterback with the, this is a tough one too. This is far from what color is blue. Brian Hoyer is the right answer. Brian Hoyer is 12 and five against teams of the AFC East. So it was a little bit of a trick question.
1: Yeah, I know. Well he I, I did think of him. I just didn't realize he had played that many games against the AFC East. That's where I kinda chickened out. I had a feeling it was some sort of curveball question like that. And uh yeah, thank you for that. That was very nice on a Monday morning. I appreciate that.
0: Josh Allen is underwater at 4-6, and six. Fitzpatrick 17-26, and 26. Sam Darnold 3-6. and six Against the AFC East, the Patriots have something to do with that. All right, I get the first pick. This one's easy. The reigning defensive player of the year comes from the AFC East, Stephon Gilmore. He spent his whole career in the AFC East. And I remember when he became a free agent a few years ago, when he was with the Buffalo Bills after his rookie contract expired. And there was all this speculation, the Bears, the Eagles, this team, that team. And then, boom, the Patriots grabbed him. And people were like, Patriots? Why the Patriots? Like, well, this one's easy. They've dealt with the guy for five years, twice a year. If, they, if they're making the move, they see something in there that is more special than what Stephon Gilmore has done in his first five years. And that's exactly what he's done during his time with the New England Patriots. Chris, there was actually talk at one point last year of Gilmore for MVP early on when that defense was reminding people of the 85 bears, ultimately defensive player of the year. So clearly yeah, the best well, player in the division.
1: Yeah. I think that's You're safe to say that for sure. That would have been my number one pick. I mean, Hey, hey this day and age, the NFL, the cornerback, the cornerback position, all the great receivers and quarterbacks and everything like that. And we know Bill Belichick likes to put his guys in an Island like that. He has tremendous pressure on them on a week to week basis. Yes. And, uh, he was phenomenal last year. Slam dunk you know, NFL defensive MVP. And I don't think he's the best defense. I'm still saying Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in football, okay? But Stephon Gilmore at least is in that conversation, and that Patriots defense was awesome last year. All right, my pick, I'm going to go with Jamal Adams uh, of the New York Jets. Jamal Adams, for my money, is the best safety in the game right now. I mean, he can do it all, whether that's, you know, tackle at the line of scrimmage, linebacker, coverage, whatever it may be, blitzing creating plays, running sideline to sideline, open field tackling. I mean, he's really got it all. I mean, Jamal Adams is a really, really awesome football player. You know, do the Jets probably wish he would be uh, maybe a little more quiet when the microphone's in front of his face. Sure. Maybe, but either way for an organization that hasn't had much life as of late, you know, Jamal Adams is, you know, just a phenomenal football player. He really is. And, uh, To me, I don't know, Mike, I don't know how you feel, but I think he is the best safety in the sport right now all around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's an incredible talent. I think the push and pull with the Jets is just trying to get him to buy in, all in, all the time. He's frustrated by losing. You know, he's got a little bit of that Stephon Diggs quality to him where, you know, takes a little care and feeding, a little temperamental, and every once in a while it flashes. And I think that in his heart of hearts, he would like to be traded to a winning team that he just doesn't have faith in that the jets are going to put the kind of franchise around him. That's going to help him have the kind of success that he wants to have. Uh, and you know, it doesn't say a whole lot for the division that the first two picks are defensive players. And my list has a lot more defensive players. And I thought about going with a defensive newcomer to the division, Chris, but yeah. no, I- I'm going to, I'm going to make you pay for passing on your guy, Josh Allen, in round one. And I'm taking him off the board. You left him there. It's still a quarterback-driven league. He's the best quarterback in the division. We saw him begin to come into his own last year. He's got the potential to be a special talent for the Buffalo Bills, and I think he's the third best player in the division right now.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he's a game-changer. He has game-changing type talent, that's what you're saying. You know, his arm is special. You know, is he need a little work on accuracy and consistency still? Sure, yes. But, again, we've seen two years of incredible incredible athletic ability and just elite traits from a player, let alone his ability to scramble around, extend plays, run for yardage, you know, do all of those type of things. Quarterback design runs are a part, part of the equation. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. Josh Allen, for sure, is, I, I think, a, a budding superstar in in football right now, and a guy I would say watch out for now that he's got Stefan Diggs. Um, all right, good pick by you. I'm going to go with Devontae Parker, wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, as we sit here the last year from last year, I mean, this was the best receiver in the division for sure. I mean, Devontae Parker, size, route running ability, can beat you down the field with go routes. I mean, we saw, saw what he did at the end of the year in Week 17 against that Stefan Gilmore and that great secondary for the New England Patriots. He kind of took over the football game in the second half of that one. You know, to me, this is a top-tier receiver in the NFL who's battled a lot of injuries early on in his career, but last year was healthy and showed you what he's all about, Mike. I mean, you know, I I have had him on my list, and I was like, yeah, let me look at Devontae Parker's stats. 72 receptions for 1,202 yards, okay, nine touchdowns. 16.7 16.7 yards per catch. He was fifth in the in the NFL with total yards altogether. You know that's that's dangerous right there. To me, yes, he's the best receiver in the division. So yes. what you're
0: telling me is what you're telling me is you would trade a first round pick, a fifth round pick, and a sixth round pick this year, and a fourth round pick next year to get Devonte Parker. Is that what you're telling me?
1: Um, well, I, you know, I would like to see him stay healthy for one more year. I mean, that's the difference. But I think his high end, top end talent is better than Stephon Diggs. Yes, I do. You know, and you know I love Stephon never, Diggs.
0: But he's never consistently demonstrated. I mean, you know, all this, I this comes up from time to time. We do it. Others do it. Well, if he could stay healthy. Well, but he he doesn't stay healthy. That's part of who you are. You can't stay healthy at the NFL level. Well, We're maybe it's not anymore.
1: I mean, he was healthy for 16 well, games last year. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's out of the woods there. All I know yeah. is if you ask me who was better last year, Devontae Parker or Stephon Diggs, not two years or three years ago, when it doesn't freaking matter, because that was two or three years ago. Last year, Devontae Parker was better than Stephon Diggs. Is that my argument? And tell Pete Dim a little, little lightest to, to stop texting me. I know Stephon Diggs is on the board. I took Devontae Parker.
0: That was stats that actually texted that one. Oh, screw Stephon you two, stats Thank at you. home.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for leaving
0: my guy, Stephon Diggs, on the board. I'll make sure when we have him at. Assuming there is a Super Bowl next year, because who knows at this point, and assuming that we're able to go there and actually interview people when we have Stephon Diggs, I'm going to make sure I point out that back in (laughs) April, we had a draft of the best players in the division and Sims picked Devontae Parker over Stephon Diggs. But yeah, Diggs, you know, for all the reasons we've discussed since the Vikings traded him to the Bills, Diggs is a special talent. Diggs is the reason why Bills fans should be very excited, and Diggs is one of the reasons why we're going to see Josh Allen get even closer to his ceiling. Diggs will run the route. Allen will Definitely. throw the ball. Diggs will catch the ball. Diggs will be happy. Bills fans will be happy. They'll be jumping through tables and doing all the things Bills fans do, and uh they may very well take over the division.
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, listen again. I'm not going to like sit here and go, "Oh gosh, how, you know, how dare you?" Yeah, Diggs is awesome. I'm with you. I'm just telling you, there's a reason Devontae Parker was a top-20 pick, and there's a reason he did what he did last year without a Dalvin Cook or a Kirk Cousins or an Adam Thielen across from him to help him out. It was him or nobody else for that Dolphins offense, and he delivered last year, and that's why I went with him over them. But I still love Stefan Diggs. What's up, Stephon? you the man. I still like you a lot. Screw Florio, okay? Um, you really think all he's right. watching? You really think he's no, watching? No, absolutely not. There's no way absolutely he's watching. Stefan, if you're <laughs> watching,
0: tweet out that you're watching. Although, you really haven't anything else to watch right now. I mean, we're the only live football show in the mornings, uh, and we have been for the past few weeks, other than the week we were off. But Stefan, if you're watching, let us know on Twitter. We love you. And uh, I picked you, I would have picked you over Devontae Parker, uh, but Chris wouldn't. Um, all right, who's your third-round pick?
1: Uh, this, is, this is a tough one here. I, I'm going to go with Tredavious White. I am. I'm going to go with Tredavious White. I think he is uh, – He's a phenomenal football player. Listen, he can play man zone. He tackles. He's smart. You know, he is certainly in that conversation for one of the premier corners in all of football. You know, I don't think he's as athletically gifted as a guy like Byron Jones. But, man, week in, week out, Tredavious White can do it all. You know, there's a lot of good defensive players, which you start to realize in this division. You know, we didn't see J. Mosley, J.C. Jackson – you know, this Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, all of those guys, but I think I'll give the edge to, uh, to Tredavious White right now. He was an all-pro last year, and like I said, he can really do it all, and was one of the best players on one of the best defenses in all of football. So,
0: you know, in hindsight, and we have to go here, but maybe the most concerning aspect of this draft for the New England Patriots, they had one out of six players on the draft. Yeah. One out of six. Yeah, but they
1: they got a lot of other players that I think are right on the fringe, like when you get to J.C. Jackson, like Julian Edelman, I thought about taking. Of course, Devin McCourty's in that conversation. You know, they're, they're, you know the, that way I thought about them in a lot of ways. But, yes, I don't know if they have the elite, elite players that we're talking about. Hadn't
0: thought of that. A former Super Bowl MVP who was actually generating Hall of Fame buzz after winning the Super Bowl MVP. He's not in the top six either. All right, got to take a break. When we return, Peter King in his new Football Morning in America column takes an inside look at how one NFL team is preparing for a different kind of draft. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. A brand new program debuts later today, noon Eastern. Lunch Talk Live with Mike Tarico. And right out of the gates, man, he's not wasting any time, Mike Krzyzewski, the Duke head coach, Russell Wilson, Seahawks quarterback Chris Collinsworth from Sunday Night Football and Dale Earnhardt Jr. And joining us now to talk about that and other things, our good friend, host of Football Night in America and pretty much everything else at NBC, it's Mike Tirico. Hello, Mike. How are you?
2: Hello, guys. Good morning. It's good watching you here this morning. Good to be with you as well. Yeah, we're, we're all sitting around. Uh, in in this self-isolation, so we might as well all talk with each other. Figure uh, we were all putting our heads together. This will be an hour distraction, if you will, from the important stuff that's happening elsewhere down the dial. Obviously, all the news information takes precedence. But uh, we're using sports as as an escape, which is what we usually do with sports. So if we can get uh, some folks up and talk sports, and you guys will be on along the way here. Uh, Just spend an hour doing that, get people uh, a little respite from what's going on. Maybe we can be a little bit of service in this uh, difficult time.
0: And, Mike, that's such an important point, and we make that point every day because I think people can only take so much of it, right? They can only take so much of the news. They can only take so much of the gloom. We're human beings. We have to have some balance, and that's what we're trying to do, and it's good that you're going to be on for an hour a day at lunchtime to help people with that balance.
2: We'll try to do that. You know, uh, the Syracuse University basketball team is very close and dear to my heart as an alum. Saturday night, uh, one of the networks re-aired the 2003 game where Syracuse won the national championship. A bunch of the players and the coaches got on a Zoom call. It was put on Facebook Live. There were three 4,000 people watching. And it was just an escape. And really, in the middle of it, I forgot everything else that was going on. And that's what this is the purpose of, uh, of our roles of sports and of reality right now, how can we find these little windows to just let our minds escape from you know, what's really, for most of us, the toughest thing, certainly as a society we've dealt with in our lifetimes. And uh, for a lot of folks who are 70, 80 years old, they said they've never been through anything like this. So we'll try to do our part. We'll have some fun. We'll talk sports and we'll continue to keep folks updated on when we might see sports again. As you guys were talking today, you now we really have no idea the realities of how far this is going to go into the summer and impact the
1: fall. Mike, I mean, what have you been doing in your free time? I mean, this time of the year, you'd normally be getting ready for the Kentucky Derby and a lot of other sporting events. And I know you, you're Mr. Particular, detailed preparation. That's what you do. Like, give us an inside look to the Tirico household during these weird times
2: my thumbs are very strong I keep waiting for you to update the next draft profile that you have uh, on your computer. <laughs> you're That's funny what really is keeping me going hour to hour sims yeah no no seriously but that that stuff helps it, it all helps uh, we were down in Florida after the uh, golf tournament we were covering the players championship ended a couple of weeks ago so we did self-isolation down there then uh, I've come back up to where we live in Michigan and We're just all like everyone else. We're hunkered down. We're settled in. One big food shopping in for the week and uh, have all the kids under one roof and all that fun stuff. But we've been doing a lot of stuff with uh, the beginnings and the ends for these uh, Football Week in America games that aired last week, Uh, doing some stuff with the Olympians a couple of weeks ago when the Olympics were postponed. So certainly it's been busier than I would have thought, but it's not what we normally do or the things we typically do. So uh, just trying to find ways to stay sane, stay prepared, Read some more books. You know those books, that whole big shelf of books back behind me that I never get to. I'm actually getting to some of those. So just trying to enjoy life and take some long walks and appreciate the good things we have. And honestly, I think that's part of doing this show. A lot of the people who you watch who cover sports and who are in the sports arena are in exactly the same boat as a lot of the folks at home. So we can share some of that. Then uh, maybe everybody will feel a little bit less isolated.
0: And, you know, Mike, the NFL has tried its best to trudge ahead during these uncertain times. Free agency opened as usual. The draft is going to happen as scheduled. But today is the day that there's really an impact for the first time on the NFL. Offseason programs were supposed to open for the teams with new coaches. I don't think there's going to be any offseason programs for anyone. How do you think that's going to impact right. the preparation for a season that is still up in the air? But let's assume there is a season, no off-season program. That's going to have a huge effect on what we ultimately see in the fall.
2: Yeah, Mike, every time we think about something else, there's one more layer of this onion we continue to unpeel. You just brought it up with Chris a couple of segments ago about uh, the reality of these draft-related trades. And Without physicals, will they be approved, and will those picks be taken by those teams when the draft happens in three weeks or so? One I was thinking after reading Peter King's column early this morning was how many teams have new offenses that are impacted by a change? What's those change? What are those changes? A head coach, an offensive coordinator, and a quarterback who's new. Well, I did a quick, quick count. At least 15 teams I found in one of those three categories. New head coach, new OC, new QB. We'll probably add a couple of more at the draft. So you're talking about half the league. If there's anything that changes in the league, it's the intricacies of a new offense, a new play caller, a new quarterback, and everybody getting on the same page, and those are reps in time that nobody's going to have. So I think whenever we get to a season, and trust us, this is all the way down at the bottom of the list of important things right now, but whenever we get down there, that's going to be a significant hindrance. You look at a team like Philly, they're going to be the only team in their division coming back with that nucleus and offense together they may be at a bit of an offensive advantage when they get going compared to other teams. It's going to be so fascinating to see how that plays out. We only hope that we can have those conversations here in the next two or three months.
1: Mike, are you in the the same category as me and Florio where we're, you know, again, we know times are tough, but we want to see the draft because we don't think there's enough out there for the public to kind of get their heads away from the bad news out there right now. Kind of what's your thoughts on the NFL kind of going Uh, forward with the business as usual
2: yeah Chris I've gone back and forth I I didn't feel that connection to free agency that I normally do because you're so focused on it while other stuff is going on but with the severity and the heaviness of the news I couldn't really get dialed into a lot of those moves emotionally at least Uh, as it's gone on I think it's taken a place of some of our attention and time and when you do think about it from a long-range planning standpoint, and that is something that I think we've all realized we all need to be better at in the long run, if you plan to have a season in September and a normal NFL season, and fingers crossed, let's hope we can get there, then you need to do all these steps along the way when they've done them. Free agency, the draft, and all of that. I know we don't have OTAs, but at least, like you said, it's gotten us away from a little bit of the news. It's given us something to think about. And the other piece of that is if you're going to get to a place where we can open training camps in August, then you need it to do all these steps along the way. So if it's insensitive to some, understandable, but this might be the right thing to do.
0: Well, and one way that I've balanced it, Mike, yes, there are tens, if not hundreds of thousands who are physically affected by the virus. But on the other hand, there are millions who may be suffering the psychological effects of being cooped up, having nothing to do. Yes. And this gives people something to look forward to and something to fully engage in for three days coming up later this month. All right, we look forward to every weekday, noon Eastern, Lunch Talk Live with Mike Tarico starts today. Mike, thanks for your time. Chris, uh, the hell with you. You're the we'll man, see everybody Mike. On Screw Tuesday. you, Tuesday. Have a great day. <laughs> see you tomorrow.
2: <laughs> see you guys.